Welcome to Horror Makes Us Happy, the podcast where we ask the question, what is it about horror that makes us happy? Your hosts are Steve Becker and myself, Chris Whitman, and you can find more out about us at our website, horrormakesushappy.com. Today, our guest is Jenny Todd. She is a wearer of many hats, um, writer, production assistant, production manager, set design manager, set design assistant, actress, and just all around maker of things happen. Hi, Jenny. How are you today? Hi, I'm very glad to be here today. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Thank you for being here. Uh, Is there anything you want to plug or anything you're currently working on before we get started? Well, uh, there are a number of uh, projects I am working on um, since I started back in 2012 uh, with my very first feature. I am up to eight features and approximately over 50 productions uh, under my belt so far, working for a number of the Florida filmmakers in the area. I'm quite well known uh, now just because I've been on so many different sets to see how they make the magic so that it can help me create my magic on my own sets better. Uh, My first one that I uh, helped on, I was prop master on Bubba the Redneck Werewolf. It was filmed here in Florida with a large percentage of the cast and crew were Floridians. We filmed over on north of Orlando area and um, the uh, uh, and also in Claremont, uh, DeBerry, uh, and it was a lot of fun. It was it was so much fun that with our red carpet and we came out in 2017. Our momentum is still uh, gaining uh, momentum. That uh, we have just been dubbed in German, and we're now being watched daily on German television. And there is talks in the works about dubbing it in Japanese, also. So that's a whole lot of fun. Uh, nice. The fan base is getting uh, pretty huge. Yeah, yeah, it's already popular over here in the states, and I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be extremely popular in uh, German and Japanese culture. Yeah, um, I finished two productions uh, in 2019 with. Um, domain pictures. Uh, one was a feature film where the land meets the sky. They're finishing mm-hmm. polishing it right now in the red carpet that'll come out and go on tour in 2020. Also, I had an amazing science fiction uh, movie short, uh, shorts or anything, 45 minutes or less. And that was beautiful, lost. It was wonderful. It was fun. And yes, I got to kill uh, my the 47th person no that was 31 that was my 31st step <laughs> i'm up to 51 okay so i'll have to explain that um, 51 confirmed kills yes <laughs> i am hired as a to choreograph a character's death scene on film so i am a hired contract killer and i have 51 of them that i've already choreographed and killed 51 actors nice that is impressive that that is an impressive resume there do you get a, like a badge or a medal after you filled after you killed fifty or more people? Oh, um, you start getting requests. I have a number of actors that have asked me to put um, that are dying to be on my kill list. Uh-huh. Uh, actors from uh-huh. very, actors from very prominent shows um, that a lot of your listeners are are very aware of. Uh, actors from The Walking Dead, from Sons of Anarchy. Oh, wow. Super, from Supernatural. Did you kill Ron Perlman? <laughs> uh, 
that an actor has come to me and said, I really, really want you to let me know if there is a script out there and a production of something that I would do very well in. If you could choreograph to kill me, that would be great. Always good when you get people that walk up to you and you're like, hey, can you kill me? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, To date, I only have two actors that I've actually killed twice. Nice. On two different productions. Mm -hmm. But how did they come back for you to kill them a second time? Did you did you Frankenstein them? The actor played a different character in another production. Oh, that's right. We're not talking about actual homicides here. Yes, no. for for uh, for uh, sake of official argument, uh, Jenny Todd has not actually killed anyone. These are all Correct. fake murders. Correct. So my actor that I choreographed the fiftieth death scene was actually killed. Uh, he was my forty seventh kill in a. Um, an apoc- a zombie apocalypse movie. Uh, and the person that killed him in the apocalypse movie was my 51st kill in the same movie that, um, yes, it gets confusing. <laughs> yeah. You need like a Venn diagram at this point. Or maybe a, like a wire <laughs> diagram. Chart. Yeah, flow chart. There you go. <laughs> well, anyway, not to get to, on a sidetrack of how many people you've murdered fake. Um, <laughs> let's go ahead and get started on this whole process here. Uh, Before we get started, a little information for you and the listeners. These are your trigger warnings. We're going to be talking about horror movies, which could involve anything from murder, rape, suicide, child abuse. There will be F-bombs, as well as S-bombs and all sorts of other bombs. So if you or the listeners are not prepared for that, please take care of yourself. Then come back and listen to us say, you know, fuck shit, piss, and cunt a lot. I said said it after the warning. I I had the whole warning before I said the words. (laughs) It's official. This time. Yeah, I know. In the last couple of interviews, like right after I say f bombs, fuck, and then the whole you know take care of yourself and come back. So it's yeah, yeah. I think uh, that would work. I think your timing was good. Yes, yes, good timing. So in this interview, we're going to be asking you um, sets of questions in three different phases. We have uh, childhood, teenage years, and then adolescence to find out what it is about horror you like or what interested you about horror in those different phases. The idea is that we be interview enough people, we might find some interesting common themes, but also possibly some unexpected ones that uh, could be entertaining as well. And that being said, though, this is not meant to be a therapy session. So, you know, if any of these questions, you know, hit a, hit a chord or, you know, if, if you don't want to answer any of these questions, just feel free to say pass and we'll just move on. All right. So let's get started. We'll start with uh, childhood. What are some of your earliest memories of scary things when you were a child? Oh, I came from a very, very mild childhood. We It was mostly comedy. My father loved Abbott and Costello. Uh, every Saturday morning was reading the funny pages on uh, all the cartoons on television. Also Sunday, the Sunday morning comics that came out. So in horror, it actually was my big brother. My big brother always liked to not go this the line that was directed by my parents and come up with something else that was kind of crazy. So, yes, he got me into all kinds of mischief, including Ooh. horror. Interesting. Yeah, it sounds like you had like a fairly wholesome childhood as far as the, the family was concerned. But then, yeah, of course, you had that uh, the older sibling that was the, the bad influence, shall we say. Yes. The fun bad influence. Yes. I do remember my dad had this very small Sony black and white television. Mm. He took it with him when he was on on the road going. He was a newspaper reporter, and he had to go different places, and he would get stuck at a hotel. 
And he would just bring this little television with him. I don't know why the hotel didn't have a television in it, but he did um, uh, to keep up with the, the news and whatnot. So I would sneak that into my bed at night and turn on and the channel, only the older listeners are going to understand this. It was the UFH channel. Mm-hmm. UHF. UHF. And it had two stations, and one station was the late night black and white creep show horror. Yeah, and yeah. I remember getting hooked on that. So terrified, I couldn't sleep. <laughs> But so addicted, I had to watch the next one and the next one and the next one. Was that by any chance the creature feature on 44? Could be. Could Dr. be. Dr. Paul Bear, that whole thing? Yep. And again, if it was black and white movies, maybe something else. I don't know. That's... I don't know. The first one that scared me was a huge spider that lived in a cave and ripped the top off of a police car and bit somebody and the, their face blew up. And yes, it was huh. very scary for a 10-year-old. Well, yeah, yeah, that's um, that. That can be rather frightening content for a ten-year-old. Any others? Not as a kid. It was uh, when I started getting into high school. That's when it, it got a little more. Um, that was when Planet of the Apes came around, and the whole idea of the Earth stopping uh, to exist the way that we know of it. Also, um, the one movie of the spaceship that landed in the middle of the park and the alien came out and everyone was trying to be friends with him and didn't understand that. So it was real hard being a, a little kid and understanding horror. But once I got into high school, I, it firmed up a lot more. The one you were talking about a second ago with him landing in the park, was it black and white or color? It was black and white. Was there a large man named Gort? Yes. Yeah. It's war of the worlds. Yes. That was, that was the very, very first one. From childhood or from teenage years? Well, it, it, a very early teenager, I guess sixth grade. Okay. Yeah. Was that the one that had the, what was it, Baradnik 2 or whatever the word is? Yep, that's, that's what I was getting at. Uh, that's, that's where we have our wonderful line from Army of Darkness, Klaatu Verata. <laughs> but it was, uh, it was Klaatu Verata Nikto, which um, the translation of that was Klaatu is dead. He was telling Gort, the giant golem century thing, that his master, Klaatu, was dead. And that's, mm. um, I think that's how he ended up making him stop, destroy things or something, uh, because he, he told him, your master is dead, you can stop now. Mm. Yeah, so, so my household was very Radio Disney kind of a feel until I got to about seventh grade. Um, we had made a move to Washington, D.C., and so that the culture, my, my mom was not able to do such a good job of sheltering us from everything. I cannot remember when I finally found out that Santa Claus wasn't alive. Wasn't real. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I got to specify there. So she did, she did a very, very good job of sheltering me. Um, and I think that's why I kind of exploded with the whole horror thing because there was so much that I missed out on. Yeah, yeah, like one of those, like you're, you're sheltered as a child, so when you discover, you have to make up for lost time kind of things. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, hours and hours of Twilight Zone and Outer Limits. Ah, yes. yes. The classics. Mm -hmm. But again, was that childhood or, or teenage years? Well, uh, I got to see them on reruns. The Twilight Zone Outer Limits? I yeah. believe it was... Sixth and seventh grade. Yeah, that's kind of gray area between the two childhood teenage years. How about Halloween? Do you uh, do you partake in any Halloween 
festivities when you were a kid? Dress up, go out and get the candies? Uh, dressing up was, uh, when I was a child, is what taught me how to do costume design on set. Really? My mom did not believe in store-bought costumes. So I was the kid always complaining that I didn't get a chance to get the plastic mask with the rubber band <laughs> in 15 seconds and with the plastic costume. And I was forced to take what we had in the household, use your imagination and make it into something. And that's why my, I think my costume design skills are so good was because I, I was forced to do that as a kid, um, use the imagination and come up with something unique on a low budget. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of my costume design is, is, is really phenomenal. Um, kind of blows me away. And they're like, how did you do that? I'm like, try to, try to be in fifth grade and come up with an impressive outfit to wear in your school parade. <laughs> Did you have any favorite costumes from back then? I had one. I actually won $100, which way back then was quite a lot of money. Yeah. And you won $100 as a, as a child in the kind of Halloween costume. Uh -huh. um, I, was, I was fourth grade. My brother brought home a paper mache mask of a monkey. And because I was so small, my mom made a monkey costume the the one that used to be attached to the old man with the mustache and making the noise and the monkey would be on a chain and go around to everybody with the tin cup and get the grinder yeah organ grinder no. organ grinder monkey is that what it's called yeah the organ grinder mm -hmm. monkey so that's what i was uh yes. and i uh oh did you have the fez and the little vest yes ah! <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> nice yes and of course, my brother had coached me for two weeks, threatening to, to uh, be very, very mean to me if I was going to embarrass him and not perfectly pull off this costume. So we spent hours of making monkey noises in his <laughs> bedroom to make sure that I could nail it. Wow. No pressure there. Like, you have to do this perfectly. You have to be the most perfect and convincing organ grinder monkey ever. That just sounds like a, an excuse to, to make a younger sister make monkey, monkey noises. <laughs> yes. It does kind of sound like that. Yeah, that sounds like older sibling uh, shenanigans there. <laughs> yes. yes, I thank my brother very much for all of the torture and, and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Any least favorite costumes? Oh, least favorite. Oh, yeah. My mom dressed me up as a Raggedy Ann doll when I was in sixth grade. It was very embarrassing. <laughs> Did you at least have a Raggedy Andy to compliment you? I mean, usually that's like a, no. a duo costume. No, but I had the red yarn hair. Mm -hmm. Yes. She was hoping to win that $100 award again. I'm like, Mom, I'm not from fourth grade anymore. <laughs> <laughs> God, your mom sounds like the, uh, the Halloween costume version of a beauty pageant mom. No, you're going to wear this costume. We're going to get that money. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> so did your, was your mother a fan of Halloween or just of dressing up? just of dressing up so that she could uh, go to the PTA and town meetings and say every single meeting for six months down the line. Yes, that was my daughter. Did you see her? I made that. Mm -hmm. Nice. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I got to comment on uh, one thing you said a moment ago. It's funny. You mentioned the, uh, the plastic Halloween masks with the rubber band. Like uh, you uh, didn't get to partake in there. I consider that a win-win. 
I think uh, in, in my interview, that was my answer to the question. What was your, uh, your least favorite costume? It was like those stupid plastic Halloween masks, the little slit for the mouth that you just couldn't help but scratch your tongue on. I mean, so double boon, you, you strengthened your costume making skills and you didn't have to deal with those stupid plastic masks. Yes, yes, and all of the the sweat, breathing, the oh god, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like the whole thing would just fog up, and it'd be like a rainforest right in next to your face. Which, yeah, great, great experience. <laughs> <laughs> Chris knows all about sweating in a costume. I do. I, I have made some costumes that are not proper ventilated. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have any? terrifying experiences as a child like uh you know there's, there's the whole interest in things horror and spooky but uh did you did you have any like truly terrifying experiences when you're a kid some some thing that just scared the ever-living shit out of you no no i had an experience where i looked back now and i can't believe that i was that naive um we okay. had a bathroom and of course my brother he was another uh, instigator uh he had watched Candyman. <laughs> And so he brought me into the, the bathroom on the downstairs underneath uh, the stairs, closed the door. It was dark, brought a flashlight, lightened up my face, and made me say Candyman three times into the mirror. I had no idea what that meant. Oh, my God. Nice. How much older than you was your brother? Like, how, what was the age gap? Two and a half years. Yeah, yeah, that's about right. I, my sister was three and a half years older than me, and it's like, it's, it's, that's just enough of a gap to be like, I can corrupt you yes. and do things that'll terrify you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So when I, uh, so uh, Candyman, that's Tony Todd, right? Yep. Okay. So I got the privilege to, um, ooh, who also just put himself on the, I want you to kill me list. No shit. Tony yeah. Todd wants you to kill him. Yeah. Dude, yeah. You have to do this. Tony, Tony <laughs> and Eugene Clark. Eugene Clark's also on my list. Um, was he the, the main zombie from Land of the Dead? Yes. I think? Yeah. Yes. He was He was the mechanic that found out that he could walk through water and showed all of the other zombies how to get over to the island of the rich. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, so Tony Todd, I, I, I let him in on that little thing, and he thought that was very funny. So were you when you said this thing about taking your brother taking you in the, the bathroom and doing this thing with the flashlight... Was there an earlier version of Candyman, or are you talking about the been, one with... There must have been a story or an old tale, something like that, because he had me he he had me look in the mirror three times and said, a ghost will appear if you're doing it right. Hmm. Was it Candyman, or what's the other one? The uh, Bloody Mary? Oh, yeah, because Candyman's more current. Oh, yeah. that's what it was, Bloody Mary. Okay. So it, was, it wasn't like based off of a movie, then it was more like the classic um, yeah. urban myth. Mm, Urban myth. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Okay. I was just confused because I'm thinking to myself. I. I mean, I, knowing your age, knowing my age, and knowing the age of Candyman, I'm thinking: was there an earlier version that I didn't know yeah, about? Like, like, was the Tony Todd version a reboot? See, it's very hard to like, yeah, tap back into early childhood memories. Maybe, Sometimes it can be. Yeah. Yeah. But the reason that we we have the these uh, coming asking these questions from different directions like this is specifically because doing that sometimes triggers memories that you wouldn't have thought of if you hadn't done that. So that's the reason that we're doing it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Fun psychological experiment of sorts. Yes. Yeah. Emphasis on the fun. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I mean. (laughs) Moving on. 
How about uh, scary dreams? Did you have any scary dreams when you were a kid? Not that I can remember. Yeah, it's hard to remember back that time. Mm-hmm. Back, back that far sometimes. I do remember uh, wishing all of my dolls would come to life and talk to me and move around as I would sleep. I mean, who doesn't wish that, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I would give them permission. I'm going to sleep now. You can go ahead and run and do your things or whatever while I'm sleeping. I won't catch you talking or moving. <laughs> That could turn into a horror movie, but uh, <laughs> that was probably not the way you intended it. It's already a movie, and I think it's just called Dolls, or maybe Valley of the Dolls. Both of those are things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't have any doll movies that I worked on. Yet. Uh, if I could jump back a second, you had mentioned your older brother. Um, also, to clarify, was that the same brother that did the thing with the Bloody Mary? Yes, my one and only brother. Okay, so you do only have one. I wasn't clear on that. Um other than him, was there anybody else in your life at that age that was a fan of horror? No, no, Just not him. at all. I lived in this teeny tiny country town in New Jersey that every holiday they made it up that looked like, oh gosh, a Hallmark card. Um, just uh, It was just so picturesque. Um, the holidays, everyone gave the teacher apples, and uh, it was uh, not not a horror movie place, or at least no one that I had known um, right. that was into horror. Um, it was after I moved to Washington, D.C. That's when um, uh, I had a year of other, other children um, mm-hmm. and people uh, enlightening us. And that's quite an old year. Uh, seventh, that was seventh grade, so that was quite quite an older age mm-hmm. um, to find out about the horror industry. Well, it sounds like you had a good relationship with your brother, so it wasn't like it was more of a laughing with you than laughing at you thing, I guess. Oh, yes. That's good. Oh, yes. Good. Uh, by the time we moved to Pittsburgh, I was in eighth grade. He had opened, he had opened up that door wide open <laughs> and started teaching me about how to make his face glow in the dark as a skeleton and would hmm. go over to our next door neighbor's house and wait for them to leave the room and turn the lights off and scare the holy bejesus <laughs> <laughs> out of the first grader that was that was her little brother. Yeah. <laughs> it was a challenge. And then he would turn around and look at me and goes, did you see how I did that? No, you need to do that. Okay. Yeah, your older brother was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Chris is like, I wish my older brother was like that. <laughs> I had an older sister, and all she did was tell me to get the fuck out of her room whenever her and her friends were over, <laughs> and 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 then like you know dig her fingernails into my arm because that was the only way that she could get me to leave. I have scars, <laughs> mental and physical. Yes, both. All right then. So um, I guess um, overall, would you say in your childhood age, would you say that um, horror made you happy? Horror made me confused. <laughs> that's, that's a good answer. I don't think we've gotten that one yet. <laughs> confused. Um, I started re-looking at um, comic books and cartoons. It's it like um, Felix the Cat and Tommy. Oh, wow. Jerry and the Roadrunner. The Roadrunner kept trying to almost kill that coyote over and over and over again. And vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So it started having me reanalyze all of the cartoons I had been watching over the years and really realizing how horrifying that is <laughs> in a very disturbing, funny way. Yeah. yeah. 
they were they were simpler times back then. You know, you could have an animation of someone dropping an anvil on someone else's head and not think, well, that would just crush their entire cranium, wouldn't it? Yes. Nope. No. All it does is make a lump grow up from the the top of their head, which you can then pound back down with a rubber mallet. Yes, yes, yes. and death was simple back then. All you had to do was to put two black X's over top of someone's eyes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. How many lumps would you like? Oh, three or four. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oops, one too many. Ting, 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 ting. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> like, watch out for that train. Whoop. That's <laughs> Yes, and explosions only leave you with uh, your hair blown back and soot all over your face. Yes, yes. And maybe a m- missing tooth that, like, creaks backwards and forth and then falls. <laughs> uh, simpler times. So, teenage years, you, you commented uh, Planet of the Apes and War of the Worlds were kind of like on that, that edge moving into teenage years and Outer Limits and Twilight Zone. Was there anything else that uh, really impressed you or impressed upon you? in the horror genre in your teenage years? Well, um, there was a, there was a big kind of leading factor, um, that got me intrigued to find out why I wasn't permitted to get into the horror. Um, and that was my mom trying to protect me. And I remember in sixth grade that, um, Jaws came out and everyone in my class, one by one as the weekends, went and it was showing they'd come back in and they'd talk about it and they'd describe it and uh and the different things that happened through the jaws thing and they started acting out different scenes of it mm-hmm. and i was really confused why i wasn't allowed to go see it and i asked my mom it's like mom everybody in my class saw jaws can i and she was floored she was absolutely appalled that i would have any desire whatsoever to see a horror movie like that. She says, that's stuff that you don't need to have in your life at all. So that was a very, very firm stop. Um, So you showed her. (laughs) So so then it kind of opened up that curiosity that I really wanted to find out a little bit more about what I wasn't supposed to be watching. Of course. And, uh, but, uh, it was some years. Um, I actually, this was before we had VCRs and DVDs and beta players. And um, I had to wait for it to come on television. And I remember I was in uh, 10th grade. So that was sixth grade when they came out. I was in 10th grade when they finally brought it on television. They just took some of the naughty scenes out. Uh, editing it for television and that's when I actually got to start seeing it and I remember watching it on television and my mom came home bringing groceries in the door takes a look at the television and says what are you watching I said Jaws I told you not to watch that (laughs) exactly I said but mom it's on public television it's yeah public domain and she ran over and turned it off. And she says, stop like that on our television. That's my television. And that stuff is not going to be on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had a similar situation with my mother and uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street movies because mm. we actually grew up on, on Elm Street. So she forbade us to watch any of them. She's like, no, no. We actually live on Elm Street. You're not watching these movies. <laughs> I had a similar experience with hip hop, though. Really? Uh, yes. I 
had bought some cassette tape in Albertsons, if you remember those. Um, and it was like a, I think there are a handful, but I had bought a, a, a cassette tape that had a compilation of hip hop songs. Um, probably the most well known two being the Super Bowl Shuffle and uh, Lottie Dottie, um, which a fair number of people have heard before. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the song Lottie Dottie, he curses uh, something sexually explicit. Which I didn't expect, and I actually am quite surprised it was even on that cassette, uh, to be honest. And I, he said it so quickly, I didn't even know what he said, but my grandmother rushed over, <laughs> popped the tape out, and took it away from me. And I'm like, what? I, what did he say? Tell me. And she wouldn't repeat it. She's got those grandmother ears. Like, you didn't catch me. She's like, oh, oh I heard that. Well, you know, all that made me do was save up my money and go buy another version (laughs) of the tape so I could hear what the fuck he said. Yeah, yeah. Kind of counterintuitive to her purpose there, wasn't it? Yes. So, which, of course, that one I hid from her. (laughs) So. Interesting. Yes. But that was uh, was really funny. Uh, When I moved to Pittsburgh, it was a very diverse city. Um, The one in New Jersey was not. Um, It was... Oh gosh, what was the name of the movie um, that the bell rang and everybody, all the women, stopped and took the pill? Hart- Hartford, Stepford, Stepford Wives. Stepford yeah. Wives, yeah, that was the town I grew up in. Okay, nice. that, that explains a lot. Huh? <laughs> there, were, there were there were pies that were cooling on the window sh- sills. No lie. Wow. Yes. Um. And uh, every kid that had a birthday party, everyone in the class received an invitation. Everyone did show. Everyone did bring a present. That everyone, everyone did wear a pointy hat. Mother, Non-negotiable. Every mother had to make their gift wrap present prettier than the other mom's <laughs> gift wrap. Yes, it was a very weird town. So by the time I got to Pittsburgh, these were wonderful, diverse kids with lots of artistic um, parents uh, that were musicians and artists and dancers. They were um, actors and uh, had all different types of occupations. So they were able to share with me uh, about the horror industry and and music and and such like that. so other than Jaws, was there some other, any other um, big influences in your teenage years? Um, getting back into the rewatching all of the Twilight Zones and the mm-hmm. Outer Limits and Lost in Space, one of my favorite. Mm-hmm. I, Alfred Hitchcock, I love the way that they told the tales of uh, quiet the bumps in the night, the things that scare you that you can't see. When you say Alfred Hitchcock, were you talking about movies or the TV show? The TV show. Okay. Huh. I never had a TV show. What? I, a little before my time, Dude. probably the youngest in the room. That's the Alfred Hitchcock theme song. I thought that was the theme from his movies. I'm going to shut up. <laughs> okay, so I do remember the Alfred Hitchcock TV show. 
It's um. Do you remember the outline? Like you would step oh. step into the screen and it'll draw the outline. Yeah, yeah, but seriously, I, I actually just remember that as maybe being like a, a pre-movie bump that was at the beginning of all of his movies. I, I just, I guess, I guess I blanked that out that that was from his TV show. Yeah, that was the pre pre TV show bump. Okay. Yes. Good evening. That whole thing. Yes. Yes. So high school was great. I think it was fun with for my friends also because they would say, "Hey, have you seen this?" And I'd say, "No," and they were flabbergasted. It was like, "Oh!" So they liked to see rewatch it again through my eyes. Oh, I just okay. need to stop here and make a point that Chris, now you're the you're the horror fan of this of this podcast, and this is twice now that I've pointed out something to you, and you're like, "Huh." I'm not. I, I'm not strong on classic horror. Yes, the other thing was uh, the laugh from Thriller. I never put two and two together and realized that that was Vincent Price. I, I think I just learned that uh, about two months ago, and I am <laughs> almost forty now. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Hey. Yeah, moving on. Anywho, so, uh, so as other people in the United States were becoming numb to horror, mm-hmm. it was a new experience for me. So I got to point out certain things to my friends that they completely missed. Um, the little subtleties, um, the way the music was, um, the way the cat jumped. My favorite is a cat jumping out of a cupboard. I love that. I just love that. I uh, hear, hear a noise and everything. It's like, yes, but nobody steps back and says, hey, how did that cat get up into the cupboard? Yeah, the cats, they find ways. It's like, yes. Yeah. So that's... Uh, during high school, uh, watching all of those uh, blob movies, uh, the blob coming out of the sink uh, and grabbing the person and, and pulling them down through the sink. And, oh, yeah. Uh, and those were great. I really liked those. There was another one. Um, I watched a show recently that had a hundred ho- great horror movies that everyone forgot about. And it was the Martians that came down and we're stabbing the cows, and the cows were drunk and falling over. Uh, and I actually got to rewatch that. I forget the name of the movie. Was that was that the comedy where one of the uh, the Martians had like a Jack Nicholson kind of voice, Space Invaders? No, I don't remember them stabbing cows though. I don't think that was it. No, this is a different. Um, and then you had the creature from the Black Lagoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's still alive and kicking. Um, and I saw him. He is. That's right. He was at Spooky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was a spooky umpire, uh, and I saw him up in uh, Crystal River, uh, Silver Springs. He was in Silver Springs. They had a uh, they had a celebration up there, and they celebrated the uh, his movie and had sh- uh, showing up on a big screen, and he was brought a bunch of souvenirs that he had kept um, to show fans and whatnot, and. Uh, his daughter Jennifer was there, and she's she's just wonderful. Um, the whole family is very very supportive of him. Nice. In Silver Springs or Crystal Springs, as a, that's a, that's a good location for uh, an event such as that. Yeah, in the Silver Springs, he actually filmed some of the the uh, the location and in that. Uh, in, oh, the- in the original movie that was filmed in Silver Springs. Yep, yep. There was a several different ones uh, that were also. Uh, shot on the back end of that property. So, of nice. course, while I was up there, me and my husband went on that walkabout. It's like, hey, hey, I wonder if they did it on this side. Uh-huh. Nice. I mean, it makes sense. It's a good shooting location, not only in terms of it matching probably the look they were going for, but also in terms of weather. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, as long as it's not raining, it's not, it, even if it is hot being that it's in Florida, I mean, you're in the spring, so you're going to be able to cool off pretty easily there. So, yeah. Yes. Which comes in handy when you're wearing a uh, full body latex suit. Yes. Yes. <laughs> So, uh, so that was my teens, yeah, uh, which made going into adulthood even more fun because then that's when we came out with um, Bruce Campbell and, and uh, the Raimi brothers uh, just creating amazing horror um, on little budget. And that's why I'm, I'm a huge fan of low-budget films. Oh, yeah. So if you were confused by horror in your early years, uh, how would you describe your feelings towards them in your teenage years? Yeah. Were there, was- in my teenage years, I, I, gosh, I saw that they took on a lot different life of where they were going. It was the high dollar horror. There was, they had not gotten into the CGI yet, but they definitely had the special effects um, work. Mm -hmm. Um, They actually had a television show, special effects, that he would kill himself or he would kill someone that had to, was trying to get out of the mafia and would stage their death scene and then get them Mm -hmm. in the ambulance and they'd pull away and the person would sit up and it's like, are we good? It's like, yep, you're dead. And here's your new ID and you'll be living in boring Maryland. Hmm. Oh, that was a TV show. Like, yes. Was it, was it FX the show? Did they make a serial out of that movie? Possibly. It was, uh, it was a great show. And that's, and, when I realized that you could actually have a career in special effects, I was like, sign me up. Mm-hmm. I never went, I never went for it, but little did I know uh, in my fifties, um, I'm all of a sudden I'm doing it. Uh, yeah. Doing the special effects death scenes. So was it an excitement, a fascination? Um... Yeah. As far as like your general overall take on uh, the horror culture in your teen years, it sounds like you were more intrigued than scared. Yeah, I was intrigued. Um, I loved that roller coaster ride, the being on the edge of your seat um, for what was the next thing that was going to terrify you. Um, I did get myself numb mm-hmm. for a bit where I could predict what the ending was coming out to be. And I get very disappointed that mm-hmm. they didn't spend more time making the thriller a thriller and really challenge me to be scared. You got jaded. A little, a little bit. And that's why I think I, I continually slips back into the black and whites, those very, very easy concepts of a genuine, regular person that is walking through the graveyard and they're coming to get you, Barbara. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's easy. It, I can understand being disappointed in lazy writing because I think that's true of any genre, not just horror. Yeah, you know, as a certain at a certain point, as you're growing up, get to a point where you are more aware of. You can tell lazy writing, Um, and there are certain people, I guess, that do enjoy it, but they're enjoying it because it's bad. But you have to be aware that it's bad in order to make that connection. You know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, And there's there were certain movies that. Really, I was impressed in Alien. I loved Alien. I loved the scene. Uh, and I actually made a Halloween costume out of 
the alien popping out of my stomach. Oh, nice. So I made myself a, um, a officer uniform uh, and pulled up the artwork from the movie and I made a name tag and put my, my name tag on it and put it on my uniform. And then I got a creature and inyards and had it sticking out of my stomach. And uh, so it was kind of replaying that Lance Hendricks. Yes, Lance, Lance did a beautiful job. I, I got to meet him. I got to meet Lance Hendricks. Actually, he's, he's stayed being a friend all these years. Um, and uh, he's just amazing uh, that the way he pulled off that, that scene. I'm, I don't think I feel so good. <laughs> yeah. It's like uh, I saw somebody, some, somebody was doing a review of that scene, and uh, they said they were watching it, I think, in high school. It was like a film study project. And in the scene, in, in that end scene where Bishop gets ripped in half by the Queen alien, somebody apparently chimed in with just perfect timing. They go, Queen takes Bishop. That's <laughs> uh, <laughs> a good one. That's a good one, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. That's so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's not wrong, though. It's correct. <laughs> but uh, even the Evil Dead, um, the Evil Dead had the shocking scene in it um, with the girl running through the woods and all of the branches and. Um, and vines grabbing at her her arms and her legs and, and pulling her down. And she was the one that nobody would believe um, that there's real evil going on. And um, yeah, uh, that uh, really, really intrigued me, that that dark, dark side of, of evil. Um, so I, while it creeps me out, I get very impressed at the production company that pulled it off. Yeah. Any other favorite costumes during your teenage years? Um, no, no. Uh, when I was growing up, it was eighth grade and you don't dress up anymore. Uh, Mm -hmm. nobody has parties. You just wear regular clothes. Uh, it wasn't until I became an adult that we have something called Comic Cons. Yeah. (laughs) Did you have a group of, um, did you well? Did you belong to any group of other people who were fans of horror during your teenage years? I know you mentioned your older brother still, but did you start finding other people in high school, for example, maybe that shared this interest with you, or no? No, not at all. Uh, in high school, I was an athlete, a swimmer. Uh, I was on volleyball team, uh, track team. There was nobody in high school that was as far as the horror. They were music industry, ACDC, um, mm-hmm. loved um, uh, lots of the musicians in the area, but nobody in horror. Uh, no, uh, no freaks and geeks crew. No, no odd kids out. The the weird ones. No, no, <laughs> no. It wasn't until, just you. Yeah, it wasn't until um, I. Uh, until I was an adult, um, that I started getting into more of which which of the horror movies to watch, um, and uh, my uh, ex husband wasn't a big horror movie fan, and I had little kids, so I had to not watch horror movies. Um, mm-hmm. But when I met my my current husband, my wonderful love of my life, he's just adorable. Um, one thing that we had in common was I loved ghost hunting. Um, I loved ghost hunting, all of the shows about ghosts and spirits and horror. And we had 
two nights a week we dedicated to watching horror movies um, or or spooky spiritual uh, ghost things, haunted houses. Um, and he's the one that truly, truly got me back into um, looking deeper into the horror horror movie industry. Um, we loved it so much that we started going to conventions and interviewing actually not professionally interviewing, but just 50 questions to each of our favorite actors of how did you do that scene and, and pointing out different things and just getting that insight kind of a stuff. Uh, so that's what really, really hooked me. Um, finding, learning who was on crew, who was um, special effects for the, the blood, um, who was choreographing, the stunts, who was doing the costume design, who was doing props, mm -hmm. and just finding out more of what was that world like in order to make the magic. Chris, you'll have to share with you'll have to share with her our list of uh, uh, you know our wish list of who we'd like to interview. She might be able to connect us with a number of people. Yeah, I got a feeling you might have some connections there. Yeah, uh, you want to talk to Tyler Maine? He was yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Who is this? Is Tyler, he on my list? Tyler's also on my list uh, to kill. Uh, although his his paycheck's going to have to be a, a lot more. Um, for our listeners, Tyler Tyler Men was one of the X Men. Yeah, he was Sabretooth, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Um, he also played. Um, oh, I'm going to get this wrong. Michael Myers. Yep. Yeah, great, great guy. I met Tyler. Oh gosh, eight years ago, I, I think it was uh, eight or nine years ago, um, with Lance Hendricks, Michael Berryman, which I ran into again um, just last year. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. Michael remembered me, remembered our conversation. Michael's a great conversationalist. He's just wonderful. Yeah. Um, and he's doing he's doing really really great. Um, and I, I don't know if our listeners know, but um, Michael lives just north of uh, San Francisco. And he dedicates his life in order to bringing hope back to people um, that have lost hope and lost incomes. So the town that he lives in uh, was, when I met him a year ago, was 50% uh, unemployed. Uh, so when he goes to the conventions and he signs bling and you give him money and whatnot, he doesn't keep that money. He gives that money back into his community, back into those people, and he feeds those people. Wow. Yeah, I was not aware of that. And if I see Michael Behrman out at a con, I'm, I'm definitely going to contribute to him now. Yeah. And Lance didn't know how to read or write. In, what? Yes. He did not know how to read or write. He had a special person off camera that gave him the lines. And then he would just say the line. But since then, he has taught himself how to read and write. And he wrote a book. I have that book. I have that book. No, wait, this, this wasn't Berman you're talking about. You said Lance, as in Lance Henderson? Lance Henderson, yes. Um, huh. He moved down to um, Mexico for a while um, for to, um, to build himself, um, to, yeah. make, uh, to concentrate on himself. And, and he did wonderful. Just a, just a delightful guy. Yeah, Lance is yeah. wonderful. That is interesting. I mean, like, how far back did that go? Like, like back in, like, when he was filming Pumpkinhead or, or uh, Aliens? I mean... I know it was when he was filming Alien, and he has um, a bunch of other uh, articles out there. So if any of our listeners are a little more interested about that, go ahead and, and Google it. Google it. Yeah. And, uh, and buy his book. His book is wonderful. Yes, from a man that did not know how to read or write, that was illiterate, 
Um, he wrote a book. Huh. So, yes. The actors are great. The actors that work in the industry are fantastic. Um, I got really, really lucky to, to work with them. Um, so that's kind of how my horror has evolved. We went from, from high elementary school to high school to adulthood now. Well, we do have maybe two or three more questions for the teenage years, and then we can move into the uh, adult stuff. Yeah. Um, Chris, do you want to? I think we covered uh, we covered the Halloween costumes with the awesome chestburster costume that you did. That sounds amazing. I would like to see pictures if there are some. Um, how about any terrifying experiences? Anything that just absolutely terrified you when you were a teenage? No. Pretty boring. I mean, that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> for, for fearless teenager. For Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, I was I was a trooper. Uh, waking up early, early in the morning to take a bus um halfway across the town in order to do swim practice at six o'clock in the morning how we let my little 95 pound body out by herself at 5 15 in the morning in the dark taking a bus with who knows having lived in some rough neighborhoods i i can say 5.15 is actually not necessarily a horrible time for someone like that to go out because usually the bad people are staying up all night. <laughs> yeah, so they stay up all night and then they crash around 4 or 5. So like 5 or 6, it's okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> right about when the coast is clear. Yeah. yeah. But uh, Pittsburgh was a, was a, um, a big city, a big, scary city, a big, mm. scary, tough city. Um, my high school was the one that all the doors were locked down and we had police officers and uh, uh, I think uh, Boston Public was and 21 Drump Street was written after my high school. Uh, so it was, it was pretty, pretty tough, but uh, nothing, no, nothing really scary. Um, did you have any scary dreams as a teen? Um, I think I s dreamed my very first horror movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was waking up in my childhood house in that Stepford Wives town in, in uh, New Jersey, central New Jersey, and hearing a noise and going two doors down to the noise to the, um, the house that the immigrants, the Italian immigrants had moved into. They, they ran the bakery, absolutely delicious bakery products of that entire family that worked there. And there had to have been about 25 of uh, the family members living there. And uh, in my dream, I, I got out of my house, pajamas, walked across two properties, went into their house, never being in there before, walked in the house and found the entire family being murdered, massacred. And then I ran screaming from that and I woke myself up. Okay. Do you remember what they were being murdered by or was it one of those like they all had big knives stuck in them, like every butcher knife from the kitchen that you may, would make bakery products <laughs> with. <laughs> um, they were all killed, well, the whole family. There was blood everywhere. Wow. Yeah. And uh, that was, I, I, I always remember that as my first nightmare. I can understand why. <laughs> yeah, it's probably a scary dream. Uh, I, I hate to say it, but meanwhile, I was sitting here as you were leading up to the, the reveal, but crossing my fingers like, Please tell me the family was cooking and eating people. Please tell me the family was cooking and eating people. <laughs> <laughs> and what you you have to look back and and you have to you have to kind of be impressed if you had a horror dream, a mm -hmm. really really scary dream that was that awful 
This many years later, I still remember it to the crisp detail of the machetes behind everyone. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Well, stuff like that sticks in your head. Or in the body, as the case may be. Um, so if, during your teenage years, would you say that you were starting to then be excited by horror or? Yes. Yes, most okay. definitely. Um, uh, excited by horror. Comedy was eh, drama. Uh, um, <laughs> was there anything specifically about horror that excited you? Uh, being on the edge of my seat, not knowing what was going to be the next thing and having it a ro- roller coaster ride of surprise. Um, I started reading uh, different novels and the writer would make the female be the one that saved the day. And, and I liked that. I liked that uh, the female was the lead character to save everyone. Yeah, a lot of that started happening in the late 70s, early 80s. Strong female characters like Ellen Ripley. And uh, yeah, Linda Hamilton. Great actress. Absolutely one of the nicest chicks ever. I, I met her twice. Really? Linda Hamilton, she's just rocking. She is such a down-to-earth girl. She <laughs> did not know that she was going to, they were going to, go ahead and do it into an, a sequel of a, the uh, the movie. She showed up in a long sleeve coal shirt, cargo pants, barn boots. Um, when I, I went in for a, a, a hug after meeting her, and I looked down and I was like, girl, you are wearing barn boots. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> well, all of the other girls are um, squeezed into a teeny tiny black um, dress and stilettos so linda hamilton absolutely one of the nicest ladies and coolest chicks i've ever met um so now that you are an adult uh what are some of the scary stories or books or movies that have impacted you as an adult wow um maybe top three top three um, I really got addicted into supernatural television series. Um, okay. I really liked all of the different real demons that were there and how they would tackle them. Boondock Saints is one of my ultimate favorites. Um, I but, is that, but specifically horror. Specifically horror. I loved Michael Berryman and um, Hills Have Eyes. Um Oh gosh, just so many of them, um, and I like the the haunting houses type things where it's uh, I'm not so much of a, a serial killer thrill that I like. I like that it's the 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 demons, the alternate universes, the things that everyone said weren't real, but they're there, um, the ghosts. Um, that that's really kind of a theme stuff that that I've uh, enjoyed a lot. So you mentioned haunted houses and ghosts, sort of being your uh, in your wheelhouse of things that you like. Um, any idea why it is that you like those things in particular? Yeah, maybe mm. because it's the more unknown, the the unexplained, ambiguous well, aspect of the the paranormal or industry. Yes, and I grew up Irish Roman Catholic, um, attended Sunday school, uh, know the Bible very well, um, the Mm -hmm. different things 
um, that they write about of what is real, what isn't real, um, and angels and ghosts and demons. And, and yes, I, I very much think that they are real. Um, I think that there is some aspect to that. Um, there is just too many, too much that is written down in all of the books of Enoch and through Hebrew and through the uh, sculptures and um, hieroglyphics, that there's just too much um, commonness through it that I think it is real. And by having filmmakers dig into, okay, so this is this fiction or is it real? Mm -hmm. um, that, that unknown kind of thing. So I, I guess I, I like that a little bit more um, as opposed to the, the horror movie of, uh, the girl disappears because it's a real person that kidnapped her. Yeah. So, yeah. so it it sounds to me, and correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, it, it sounds like there is some aspect of maybe spirituality that th that this is bringing out to you. Like you were talking about how the so you've got the Irish Roman Catholic upbringing, but you also mention other religions and things like that. Um, does that sound correct to you? It's, or yes, that's absolutely correct. So I had a. a uh, when seeing, uh, watching Supernatural, Supernatural had a lot of characters that were real um, mm -hmm. in different cultures. It was the American Indian uh, culture that had this one being, and then it had the East Indian that had this other being, and it had the Mexicans that had this other being. It had um, Canadian or, or French had another being, and so so each one has that that demon. Okay. Um, and they actually drew from like the original lore. I mean, you mentioned American Indian, so I got to ask, was there an episode with Wendigo? Yes. Yes. Yeah. There so it had that. And my husband is very, very knowledgeable about that. So it makes me even want to get even more into it. Like how, how close did they actually get to mm -hmm. um, the story? Um, yeah. how, werewolf. Oh gosh. American werewolf in London. That was high school through and through. I loved that. Mm -hmm. That was oh, yeah. just such a wonderful horror movie. Watching the the hair grow out of his back mm -hmm. and have the bones start breaking and reattaching and, and stretching. And it's, yeah, I mean, American Werewolf in London is a staple in so many regards. Classic horror filmmaking, um, the the special effects, the transformation, and and the spiritual aspect of it. You know, it it kind of tags along that um, that classic lore of things like the the legend of the werewolf and, right. and the moors and things right. like that. And he turns into the werewolf. So is he still in there? Do, will, is, is there some part of his being, his consciousness, mm -hmm. is it still there as he's the werewolf? Yeah. 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 Maybe. Maybe. Is Maybe it? not. <laughs> so where, where or how is this uh, crossover between horror and spirituality? Um, what does that do for you? Like, um, it translates in uh, what a real person, how they would behave day in day out. What scares us? Um, what What would we be willing to um, stand firmly and fight, um, as opposed to flight? Or on flight, did we? follow all of the rules that the comic books taught us on how to defend ourselves. <laughs> hmm. And um, that uh, all of those things uh, that you see in the movies, if, if they were real, um, how would you defend yourself? How would you escape? How would you um, fend off and, and survive? So I, I think it, the horror 
gives this little kind of an opening to, to people of, hey, if that was to happen to me, I'm not doing what she did. <laughs> and never, never run in high heels with half your clothes through the woods going, I'm lost. Stop. <laughs> right. Never walk into a, a, an abandoned dark room and, and say, hello, if you hear a creepy noise. No, and, and don't run upstairs. Come on. What are you doing? It's outside. So, but, and I'm sorry if I'm harping on this, but I'm just trying to understand. So, you comment about preparation, but specifically you were saying it's the, uh, you know, the more spiritual um, type of horror that interests you as opposed to, say, a uh, serial killer and there's preparation there's there's a an idea that okay if i watch this and i mentally prepare myself for how would i get out of this situation um that could be said both of the the serial killer type of horror as well as the spiritual kind of horror um so i'm still trying to understand where what what uh interests you about the spiritual as opposed to the other kinds do you know what i mean yes um i just uh i uh the ones of the demons that the beasts mm -hmm. uh, that have been written um in all time is is just a a matter of interest um that it, it it's a little more intriguing than the the serial killers one it's uh where how long has the beast been alive where has it come from how does it die what's mm. its purpose um is it a fallen angel was it written in scriptures um I think yeah, it's it's like a, a mixture. It's not like whereas like uh, something based off of a real life serial killer or a slasher is just physical things that happened with real people. Whereas the uh, the demonology and the spiritual are kind of a mixture of that because you have things that are written about them, scriptures and just documentation and things. But there's still that gray area of we don't know. So it's it's a, right. it's a good right. mixture of history and the unknown. Yeah, and that intrigues me most because it's it's. It's in books that are going all the way back to Adam and Eve about mm. the angels that have fallen from heaven that were here um, to protect. And then one didn't go the way that they should have and they broke the rules and then that evolved. And then from there you had more monsters that were created and, and stuff. So this is something that has gone on for centuries and centuries and, and whatnot. Um, so that um, I see that there's tons and tons of stories there. So I, that's what really, really intrigues me. Um, and as, as you guys were talking, that was one of the notes that I made my summary of, of some of the things you guys said was that fantasy, as opposed to the serial killer stuff, the fantasy allows for more story because like Chris said, if it's just a serial killer, well, it's kind of cut and dry. No, that's a bad joke. Yeah. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's kind of cut and dry. Um, <laughs> Uh, as far as uh, I'm going to say this, um, the realm of possibilities with a killer and a victim who are human is lesser than the realm of possibilities when you allow for, you know, fantasy or the spirituality side of things that could be beyond human understanding or, or our understanding of physics and things like that you know yes um 
Yes, I think that was one of the reasons why X-Men was so popular because each of those people was a regular normal person. And then through some physics of a, of a change in their genetics and DNA, now each one of them has this ability to do something that other normal people can't even fathom, that they can lift things or, or, wa- or walk through walls or um, conjure the the um the sun or rain or wind or um bent metal um or burn or, things with our eyes yes all of those things um and it's also if we were to encounter a monster it's like well okay does anybody know what this monster was oh sure the american in- the seminal indians had documented this monster was around um the 1500s and can be <laughs> And all you have to do is put a circle of salt around you. I think yeah. I think one of the things, at least for me, although I understand that maybe this was part of their intention as well, but with X-Men, uh, you know, I always thought that part of the attraction was, as you say, yes, they had these mutations that allowed them to do superhuman things, but also specifically in the case of X-Men, it was written in a way that was intended also to let them keep their humanity and um, and have a way to have a conversation about what it means to be human and to have these emotions and deal with drama and things like that as, mm-hmm. um, you know, with an audience of other, it, the audience being other teenagers, it was a way of connecting with the audience and saying, you know, these people are going through certain similar things like you are. Oh yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. That was always the thing with Marvel. Is like uh, there have been a couple of books written about it. DC characters are like uh, archetypal characters that you aspire right. to be like, like Superman and, and right. Batman. And right. meanwhile, you have your uh, Spider-Man characters from Marvel, which exactly. they angled it more towards misunderstood teenagers, and you, yeah. know, you, you have these problems and strife of just every everyday life. Humanity. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and and wouldn't it be great if on top of all that you could climb walls and shoot shit out of your arms? <laughs> yes. Wouldn't that make your life so much better? <laughs> Not. <laughs> no. <laughs> and and what if there was an alternate universe that there was certain holes, black holes that um, were right there, but you couldn't see them, but they were mm. these oh, the open door from one one place to another, and and that ghosts are actually an an, an inevitable possibility where each of us can do that at some point of time and wouldn't that really blow us away it's like wait a minute if that happens and i made a movie of it hey i'm a fortune teller (laughs) (laughs) we're talking about weekly interactive massive particles wimps (laughs) but um i think the uh, uh the horror industry is uh, creating a way to entertain you, put you on the edge of your seat, um, get you scared of things, get you more prepared. Um, and yeah. I think we're, we're uh, really uh, getting a little more creative uh, and a lot less uh, uh, CGI. We're making your, your heads um, create that possibility and, and that being scared and stuff on its mm-hmm. own. So, um, We've jumped past quite a few questions, actually, Sorry, but ahead. they may not. No, 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 that's fine. It, the they may actually may not be relevant anymore. We've um, gotten the questions anyway. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of have like one question left, really, that that digs to the heart of the purpose of this podcast, 
which is so we talked about you know the things that you you like about horror that you know it being on the on your seat of seat of your pants but it was uh, edge of your seat that was what i was going yeah, the, for the tension so the tension edge of your seat spirituality preparation um story background and so re- then the last question is okay but why horror because for example being on the edge of your seat i remember when i was in high school they took us to uh, an imax theater and it was a uh, an imax film about the grand canyon and have you ever, have you been to an imax theater do you know how the seats are arranged on like a wall yep so the opening and i i hated this i mean i understand why they didn't did it now looking back as you know a filmmaking thing but oh my god so they start the movie with a camera pointing at the ground and all of a sudden it starts moving and all of a sudden it goes over the side of the edge the the person literally leaps into the grand canyon and after a second you realize that it's they're on a hang glider and the camera's just pointed at the ground but me who is a person who has a fear of heights and mind you the imax is a very immersive experience i was fucking shitting my pants (laughs) you know do not like do not like (laughs) so so you know the the last question here is okay but why horror because there are other ways other other things that maybe you could get into that uh, gives you the uh the spirituality or you know touching on something bigger than yourself or the preparation for uh you know unplanned circumstances or having these these fantasies so do you have any understanding or or insight of yourself as to understand what it is that you particularly like about horror in those uh in those categories does that make sense yes it definitely makes sense so the reason why i like horror because horror creates the adrenaline in me uh Mm -hmm. when i do sports i get adrenaline when i work on a project and it's coming to completion i get adrenaline when i ride a roller coaster i get adrenaline um and i love that feeling i i just love that feeling um, that I get. And horror movies do that to me. I literally feel like I am with that character, feeling like I am going through that life, that artificial pretend life that that character is going through. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like I'm right there next to them um, mm-hmm. uh, as a fly on the wall. And whatever's happening to them is happening to me. And I get emotionally involved in it. And, and that's what I love about horror because it gives me that ad- adrenaline rush that my roller coaster ride isn't going to end in three and a half minutes. There you go. Okay, it's done. That roller coaster ride is going to go on for an hour and a half, an hour and 45 minutes. And I So do you not get that kind of adrenaline rush from like a sports movie or uh, an action movies? Rarely on the action uh, okay. rarely on the action movies, um, not on the drama movies. I'll laugh. Mm-hmm. Of um, course. Having a good laughing movie, that's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love uh, uh, horror comedy, which Sean is dead. Sean is yeah. one of my favorite. I love Australian um, horror comedy. That is just fantastic. Um, Sherry Bell is, is amazing. She's a stunt, a, a stunt coordinator and an actress. Um, Sherry Bell, Australian. Um, she's she's great horror comedy. Um, 
but I don't know. We all have our our things that we like, like our favorite flavor of ice cream. Yeah, I like chocolate. Well, you like my like vanilla. Well, why don't I like vanilla? I don't know. I'm just a chocolate ice cream fan. <laughs> so, and I, I have to love horror. Um, and horror also gives us that thing where we can identify with that character and we want them to win. We don't want them to lose. We want them to win. We want to be winners. We want them to be winners. I mean, I, I kind of want to watch them die and lose sometimes, but you know, to each their own. <laughs> <laughs> I like a good death scene. I really, really appreciate a good death scene. Oh. So, I, well, it, what you just said actually triggers a question for me. So when you said the thing about, you know, we, we like winners that, that brings me back to your comment about being, you know, a, an athlete. And so for a second there, I was thinking, okay, well that makes sense. I can understand that. But then what you just said, liking a good death scene. So what is it that you like about a good death scene? Because clearly are you, unless you're rooting for the, the antagonist, that's not a good winner. You know, if they're dying, um, uh, I like when, uh, when and how they take out the villains, but also, uh, when you have one of the characters that is going to be the first man out and then seeing how they, Ooh, saw, saw was a great movie for demonstration of, of kills. Um, very, very creative, just horrible death scenes, um, for each of them, but there was always a winner. At the at the end, well, most of the time, unsaw. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's hard uh, it's hard to explain sometimes of why you are a horror fan. There's multiple different facets to it, you know. I mean, there's that rooting for the protagonist, rooting for the antagonist, just generally liking. Well, and I totally get that it's it's difficult to get at the root of it, but that's the whole point of us doing this yes. podcast is to try to tease that out for, for each of our guests to try to figure out what it is about horror that really you enjoy. And, right. okay. and that's really confusing because I am a horror special effects makeup artist, producer, production designer. I work making those horror movies and it's my job to make the audience fall in love with my story, fall in love with mm -hmm. my characters, fall in love with my death scenes. Mm -hmm. um, it's my, my job to make sure that I make something that just terrifies them, but makes them all excited about wanting to cheer for either the villain, yay, you killed the stupid people, or the stupid people is like, yay, you killed the villain. <laughs> And I get that, so in a way, that's you winning at your job, but I'm still trying to understand where you enjoy it as a... Um, How about this? Let's rewrite the question this way. If you could pick one thing out of the horror culture and industry that is your favorite, what would you say that would be? Uh, the scare factors. The, mm -hmm. the, the, having that person that comes out and goes, boom. And I'm stunned. All of a sudden, I felt like I just did a roller coaster ride. My heart stopped for a millisecond. I got that flushed face, and and I love that. Okay, yeah, it's 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 addiction. It's, a, yeah. it's an absolute addiction that I can't get from any other genre. Yeah, it's a I'm having a situation or or a character 
um, a, a false scare that just uh, that actor gets startled and I get startled. And mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. For, so for one millisecond, I'm terrified. And I, I love being terrified. Yeah. Yeah, it's that, not in uh, real life, but in horror movies, yes. Right. Yeah, it's it's that safe, self-contained thrill where, like you said, like for a split second, you are terrified because you lose sight of the fact that this is a, a fictional story that I'm watching. It actually scares you, mm-hmm. and it's the, the thrill. Yeah. The un- the unexpected. The the boo. Yes, the boo. There you go. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm just trying to meld all these things in my head it sounds like it's a you know combination of things for you like Mm -hmm. i definitely see how having been an athlete the adrenaline rush uh connection could be uh important to you as well as the other things that i mentioned you know the spirituality and the preparation and the the backstory these are all i'm not hearing any one thing jump out that goes that's making me go aha it's it's a ton of different things cool well, I want to thank you very much for being here, Jenny. Uh, it's been wonderful having you on our show. And uh, for everybody out there, remember that uh, Bubba the Redneck Werewolf is uh, currently being dubbed into German. It's going to be dubbed into Japanese very soon. So if there's anybody listening to this podcast who has been listening to us speak English this whole time, but wants a horror movie in Japanese for some odd reason, there you go. It's going to be available in Japanese soon. Maybe people brushing up on their foreign tell, languages. Tell your friends. Yes. Tell your friends. <laughs> Yes, you can buy that online. It's available also Amazon Prime for, for streaming any Amazon Prime people. You can mm-hmm. also buy it at Walmart, Target, Barnes & Noble. Yeah, as are all the other uh, productions that, that you're working on. I mean, I don't know if they're on Amazon just yet, but uh, if you're in the Tampa area, they're going to be in local film festivals. So there's that to look forward to. Yep. Yeah, um, and we'll be able to link to them in the bio that we put on the website. Yes, yes we will. And thank you to anyone out there listening. Please do visit us at our website, horrormakesushappy.com. We get a schedule posted there to show who we're going to be interviewing next, as well as a list of people that we'd love to interview. And, uh, if you can help us connect with any of those people, Jenny, if you can, uh, if you know someone, you, or if you know someone you'd like to be added to the list, just let us know. You can also become a Patreon supporter. Links to our social media are also on our website, or in general, just uh, let us know how we're doing. Horror makes us happy. Hey, dot com. Yeah.